0: Hello Plantpreneurs and welcome to Series 2 of the Plant-Based Business Podcast brought to you by us here at VeeVolution. In this show we explore what it takes to create and scale a plant-based business. I'm Damien Clarkson, co-founder of VeeVolution, and your host today. So each week on this show we speak to a range of entrepreneurs and investors who are passionate about creating positive plant-powered change in the world and today I'm speaking to my old friend and co-founder of Plant-Based News, Robbie Lockie describing Robbie is really difficult because he is a true multi-potentialite. He is a digital designer, a campaigner, a filmmaker, a writer and a podcaster and someone who uses a power of social media for good. In this conversation we talk about the power sensitivity, Robbie's business background, how they built plant-based news so quickly and the future for plant-based businesses. So okay now I'm with to show. Remember if you enjoyed this conversation please share it Tag us at plant based business and at feevolution underscore and tag the guys at plant based news as well. Sit back and enjoy. How's it going, Robbie? Hello, my friend. What a pleasure it is to be here with you in the podcast room finally. Finally, yeah, about 18 months into making this one. But I feel like this is the right time for us to speak about your background, but also the future of the movement and where we're heading, because a lot is changing, a lot is moving really fast. And yeah, I think this is just meant to happen now. So I'm glad we're doing it, but let's start at the beginning. Let's start with your upbringing and and kind of tell us a bit about that. And do you think you were always destined to become an entrepreneur?
1: So I grew up in Zimbabwe, which is a small country, landlocked country in Southern Africa and um i grew up to two very young parents uh they had me when they were in their early 20s um and i grew up on a, a beautiful farm which kind of overlooked this this really stunning valley in in a place called mutari which is the eastern highlands of zimbabwe and lots of mountains covered with forest and um, wild animals roaming around everywhere and uh you know just so much beauty really all around us at all, all times but I really didn't appreciate it as a child. I did not uh, appreciate the beauty and the wondrous nature that I was born into. Um, and you know, as I sort of grew and developed as a person, you know, I, I went to a, a, a small local school and you know, studied you know, all the usual subjects, and never really felt um, that I fitted into the sort of standard system. I always felt like a bit of an alien, a bit of an outsider. Um, you know, and also actually, you know, growing up. Um, you know, gay or LGBT or queer, as I call myself now, um, you know, that was a, another layer of like complexity to add to my life, because actually in Zimbabwe, and it is still ca- the same today, um, being queer or being gay or being trans or, or lesbian or anything is, is is against the law, you actually get a criminal sentence. So, you know, I grew up with a lot of fear and a lot of like, um, uncertainty in my life. But one thing I did have was two very, very, you know, passionate and supportive parents. And my dad was always an entrepreneur. He was always thinking up something to do, to make, to build. Um, he was always creating something. My mum was always painting or drawing or baking or creating. So I grew up around people who were always sort of, you know, beavering away at something. Uh, and my brother is the same, like he's always building something or making something. So that entrepreneurial spirit, I think is definitely like in my genes. Um, I've always wanted to be something or make something of myself um especially something that i think could make the world a better place and when i was in my sort of teens i thought that i you know i would be involved in something really important but i didn't know what it was i knew and had a sense that i would be involved in something that was world changing really um and and obviously you know as i am a vegan now and i'm part of the vegan community you know that i believe that that was my destiny i was destined to get involved with with the movement of people fighting and working for change so Um, that's a sort of whistle stop tour of my childhood. It was very beautiful, very challenging in many ways, but, um, I found myself in England when I was 18, 19 and I've been in England ever since. Um, and you know, I'm pretty much half British now, half Zimbabwean, you could say, um, sort of meandered. Yeah. Still got, still got the accent a bit. (laughs) I kind occasionally slip into my Zimbabwean accent, (laughs) um, and. You know, so I've had had a very quite a varied life and um, lived in lots of different places, lived all over, spots in London, uh, but i have sort of settled now in South London and um, hope to put down some roots of my own fairly soon.
0: Great, and I think creativity is something you touched upon there, and I think that's something that comes to mind for me when I think about you and your your work in in the vegan movement. has been very creative. When you arrived in England, how did you kind of harness that? creativity what did you put your energies to when you first arrived here? So
1: when I first arrived I, I literally landed at Gatwick and I got a train to Reading which is this tiny little town for those that don't know outside of London a very small kind of quite, what's the word I'm looking for suburban vibe um, you know shopping malls and 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 not really much identity and personality and I quickly outgrew it Um, and at the time when I was there, I was only there for a year and a bit. I was working at a, a, um, an engineering firm and they had a web design department and I was just 19 and I kind of somehow managed to get a job as a web designer and that was 1998. Um, and I started building websites and designing websites back in 1998 when I was sort of 18, 19 and I'd always really loved technology and always been involved with it in some way. And I was like the first to get the mobile phone when it came out, I was first to get like a Walkman and an MP3 player. And I was always... You know, early adopter since I was since I was very very young. You know, I literally was born and like landed on a Commodore 64 computer and started coding. (laughs) Um, Actually, believe that? (laughs) Yeah, it's true, (laughs) not a lie told. Um, and you know, so I I was always involved in some kind of like design of some sort, usually sort of web websites, techie type stuff, um, and you know, it was really great to be involved in that world because it was new and exciting. And, you know, the internet was this really, really cool place that nobody really knew about much yet. But, you know, I I knew that it was going to be huge because actually before I came to England, um, I was working in a... um, a web design company that was within a, a newspaper, a, a national digital newspaper. So back in 1997, uh, you know, the, I think it was like 16, 17. That was, um, you know, quite innovative, really, for uh, especially for, for Africa for a, an online newspaper. And I was in a web design team in there, in that company. And then I used the skills that I learned there to then obviously try and get a job when I got to England in this company. Then, when I moved to London, I kind of really felt that I wanted to be more involved in design, and I started doing uh, course, short courses on Photoshop and learning more about how to use design software. And um, I used those skills to create graphics and and printed content. So I, I I started making a lot of club flyers and brochures and things like that, and really kind of got involved more in that. But because I um, was because I was more technically focused, and because I was a more of a techie, a geek type. I kind of got sucked into the digital world and the user experience world and found myself working in big agencies where, you know, I build websites and do design and user experience and user interface for websites. So I never quite got into the design world, uh, the advertising and design world, until much later. But when I first arrived, it was really all just anything I could get, you know, design-wise, I jumped at it.
0: And what was your motivation at this time? You know, what was the main motivation for your work? Because you're such a mission-driven person what was sort of fueling you
1: when i first started um just a desire to create um beautiful graphics and images and story and to tell stories with with design um my mum studied as a graphic designer and i always loved all the magazines and things that she used to have lying around the house. And I always used to look at all the typography and I was inspired and motivated by that, by the desire to create um, visual communications that could uh, influence people. Now I didn't actually uh, realize the power of visual communications and the power of advertising until much later, until I got involved in the media world and the advertising world. And I started to work for big agencies and work on, you know, uh, projects like, um, Coca Cola and Dr Pepper and Fanta and Sprite, those kind of like big commercial products. Nintendo, uh, the Royal Navy, Royal Marines, Waitrose.com. Um, I, you know, I was involved in building all the major major websites for very large companies here in the UK, um, and it and it really showed me how digital technology could reach millions of people if built in the right way and was was usable. Um, it was only until I st- started working for Jamie Oliver that I started to realise that. And that was maybe how long ago is that now? Nine years ago, maybe maybe more than that, ten years ago. I I, so, I started to realise after working for Jamie that I could use my skills, my marketing digital media skills, for for good things. Um, Jamie and his team. We went to this place called San Patriano, which was in Rimini, in Italy, and we met a community, an incredible community, where there's 2,000, I think 2,500 people um, who live in a community where they learn skills like graphic design, horse whispering, um, cheese making, winemaking. This is before I was vegan, and it was used as a way to heal people from severe drug addiction. They had like an 89% success rate or something, helping people stop and reverse severe um, drug addiction using skills, giving people purpose. And I had an epiphany then I realized rather than working for somebody else, I would use my skills, my digital skills to make the world a better place. And so I set up La Verita, which is, La Verita means the truth in Italian or Latin. Uh, and my logo was a lighthouse spinning. And it's, it's like, I think it was like communications, effective communications for brands that want to change the world, that kind of stuff. And I started doing ethical media and ethical uh, content, um, working for charities and NGOs and nonprofits, um, doing some really huge projects. I worked for the, um, the European Parliament and produced a big website for the European Parliament. And I did a campaign at the European Parliament, which was designed to sort of encourage and support youth uh, into getting into politics and went to big events at the European Parliament and made giant banners and posters that were shown all over the European Parliament. So I, st- I started to get really excited about the idea of using visual communications to influence people in a really positive way.
0: And and this is around the time when our paths intersect with each other yep. around 2014, 15. Because I remember yeah. the first time I met you, I ran to cook daily. Yeah, I turned up a sweaty mess.
1: Yes, I remember our friend <laughs> Daniel introduced us to me.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I ran like seven miles. I was like, oh hi, yeah. And so around 2015, we we made a film together called Swine, which feels so relevant now (laughs) with the pandemic um you know if if people don't know about this film it's a film that Robbie um directed and I've co-wrote and produced with Robbie called Swine and it's about antibiotic resistance and superbugs so um it's on YouTube you can watch it yeah but then you also met someone else who was a friend of mine at the time Klaus Mitchell who at the time had a, a YouTube channel called Plant Based News and so how did you set about turning what was a really small youtube channel you know something with a couple of thousand subscribers into I guess a global media powerhouse like how did that come about
1: we Carson, and I met at your event vegan futures yeah 2015 um, this was yeah and I remember it fondly because he um he came over to me and kind of really bluntly demanded some sd cards because i'd been filming at the event because we were doing an event video for you if you remember I think, yeah. um, and i didn't really know who he was at all and i was like who is this young gun coming over and demanding sd cards from me <laughs> obviously i checked with you and you were like oh that's just Klaus. he's got a youtube channel he wants to obviously do something about the event um and i handed over the cards and he uh, he did what he did and we kind of went our separate ways but um you know i can't actually remember but it turned out that we were moving into a house uh just at the bottom of the hill from where class lived that just happened to be pure chance and class helped us move in he just sort of helped us with some boxes and you know kind of like stayed all day and just hung out with us um and i just remember him just being very funny and fun and cavalier and it's like he's a really interesting person not like anyone I've ever met before.
0: Yeah, that's that something about Klaus, he's totally unique. Yeah, <laughs> and, <one> <laughs> and
1: we just, we started, you know, we just got on and obviously he was super passionate about plant-based news that he, you know, as this sort of tool to to spread the plant-based message. I can't remember how he convinced me to to join him, but he asked me if I wanted to help out and and I just did. I, I thought it was a great idea and I thought, you know, it'd be good to expand it, you know, grow it and develop it into a media platform because I I've always been a consumer of media Um, you know the likes of like things like Unilad and um, Joe.co.uk those kinds of things now we've got all sorts of amazing ones like now this and Vox and you know I love that model of a company that produced content but they spread it out across all kinds of different channels and so I had it in my head that we would um, we would use that sort of template to create a multi kind of faceted platform that could spread the message in a variety of ways, whether it was environmental, health, fitness, food. Um, but the ultimate goal was to get people to become vegan, um, but without being overt overt about it, without kind of shouting about being vegan talking about vegan food and talking about vegan fashion, talking about vegan business and vegan uh, beauty and makeup and all that, but without shouting about veganism as an ideology and that meat is murder and all of that, avoiding all of that because I felt very strongly, and after doing courses with the likes of Dr. Melanie Joy on effective communication, I had this realization that we could use business as a way to uh, shift the market, to kind of get people eating plant-based or at least eating more plants. And uh, it really wasn't until Prince Khaled, Awaleed sent us an email. Um, I think six months or eight months, nine months into our partnership, Klaus and I, we were sort of working together. I built the website and we had started to add in some articles and people started to see that we were growing, that things were happening and changing. And Klaus made an announcement on YouTube saying that I was joining forces with him and we were going to take plant-based news to the next level. Uh, But Prince Khaled messaged us and said, I want to support you and not just with money and that's all he said i think you guys are great so we uh saw it i mean we almost ignored the message because we did not know who he was and we did you know you don't get emails from princes every day
0: you do but they're normally in your spam folder
1: <laughs> yeah exactly asking for your bank details from you know yeah. um <laughs> but but we you know, we 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 took a chance and we replied back to him and just said, Thank you so much for noticing our work and we really appreciate it. We're very passionate about veganism, animal rights and supporting the environment, etc. And he just responded back and said, Wow, I never thought that you'd reply and I'm really impressed that you responded and you didn't just ask for money um you know and that was amazing i was like we weren't even thinking about money we were just really blown away that he had seen the work that we were doing had seen the website and read some of our articles and had watched our youtube videos um you know you think he's a huge fan of the youtube channel and youtube is such a powerful tool to for brands to be able to communicate with the world because youtube i don't know most people don't know is the second largest search engine on earth so when people can't find something on google.com they go to youtube.com Anyway, so Khaled, um invested in the business. Um, not straight away. It took about eight or nine months to sort of get things going. But Klaus and I carried on working, um, you know, on the side—not uh, on the side, but working at other companies—and then um kept on building and working on plant-based news and you know once the deal was in place we were pretty much able to quit our jobs um and focus full time on plant-based news and ultimately that's what helped it grow and then of course you know the team you know plant-based news is nothing without our wonderful team of people um that is what makes a company is the people that that you hire um people always say to me if you want to do good work and change the world and create a great company you need to hire people who are better than you at other things uh, as well as some of the things that you do as well so that you can constantly keep leveling up what you're doing and all you need to do is you know keep them motivated keep them inspired um and obviously manage and support them you know and then you can facilitate you know huge growth um i guess maria
0: Maria was that person maria was she left yeah vegan life yeah that's right. So Maria we um
1: headhunted from um uh Vegan Vegan Life. Yeah. yeah, Vegan Life magazine. She was the editor there. Um and uh yeah, we sort of went lunch went went lunch with her and said to her we love what you what you're doing and uh, you know love your writing style. She had interviewed me a few times um and she just seemed great and we sat down with her and she, and she expressed interest and then we offered her a job um and she took it and she's been with us ever since she was a kind of like you know the catalyst to help us create a um a more legitimate and you know like newsworthy organization that could create content written content that was uh, of you know high quality journalism essentially because she's a trained journalist
0: yeah she's a fantastic journalist and i think one of the things that probably will shock people is how quickly you guys grew because you, you're not a VC backed startup you know you made some investment from Khalid but you know this is not you know millions of pounds this isn't enough to just get you going and really kind of get your first hire through the door how did you do it how did you how do you produce so much content of such high standards and not burn out because you know this is something that us as entrepreneurs face you know and I think me and Judy have stared down the barrel of burnout a few times like how have you done done it I think that's what people want to know I mean so we created a model and and a
1: kind of process where we produced a set amount of stuff every single day which would facilitate that growth and every day without fail we stuck to it and we always did it um, no matter what. So for me, that is what we did. And also, you know, really showing up for the audience in every single way. Every single post, I was out there commenting and liking, responding to all the messages on Instagram, the, the DMs, you know, replying to people and just constantly always showing up all the time and just, just investing time in it. It, you know, it was, it was not and has not been easy. I mean, I've actually had a couple of times where I've pretty much burnt out Um, short of sort of collapsing in exhaustion um, because of the pressure when you're a self-employed person or you're an entrepreneur you put yourself under huge pressure because you know even though you don't have a boss you want to succeed you want to you want to um, make your friends and family proud you want to make your work colleagues proud of what you you're doing because you want to do well for them too Um, you want to show them that you know you're really really serious about it so we did it just through consistency. You know, we have, we're all, we're all, I, th- I think, unfortunately, workaholics. Classes certainly workaholics, so am I, Maria is as well, um, and even, you know, our new recruits, um, you know, who work with us now. They're all very, very passionate people because we're, you know, we're mission-led. We're all passionate vegans and we all care about the cause. So they all work, you know, go, they all put in so much time, you know, which is just incredible, like it's not, You know, very, no one kind of comes in at like nine and clocks out at six, we all are always tweaking things or talking about something, you know, we've got a lot better in recent years with the work life balance. We try very hard to avoid messaging each other at night on slack unless it's really urgent or something really funny has happened we don't tend to sort of like engage with each other in the evenings or the weekends unless necessary but in the first few years it was a 24 7 job really um it was just work 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 monday to sunday 24 7 365 days it was just non-stop um and i guess that is the price you pay in a startup you do invest a lot of time and energy and love and blood and sweat and tears and there have been tears <laughs> it's been, i'm not gonna lie it's been very very hard um you know so but it's worth it's worth it because we've had impact we've created impact people write to us on the daily um, talking about how the content we've made or an article they've read or a video they've watched or a meme that they saw change a person's view or shifted their opinion on something or got them eating more this or that and changed their health improved their health so those messages and those sort of positive stories are what keep me, get, keeps us going.
0: One of the things I love to talk about is that obviously plant-based news has been such a big success in terms of the audience that you've grown. It's really the, the go-to resource for, for anything plant-based in terms of what's happening today you know, and being up-to-date, like it's a place we go to regularly. But with that comes a great deal of pressure, I think. And I felt that from you as your friend in the past, you know, like, um, and there's been times when plant-based news has come under fire for things they've said, and, you know, it's all been well-intentioned, but maybe, you know, people have interpretate, interpreted it in a, in the wrong way, or maybe you said some, as an organization said something that you could have said better. How do you deal with that? Like on a both emotional mm. level and also like a process level, how do you as a team make those editorial decisions and you know mm-hmm. where you know where you, you stand on things because there's a lot of important issues you guys are kind of expected to turn up on
1: yeah it's a good question um plant-based news is the only vegan news media organization that's independently regulated we're a part of impress which is an independent body in the uk so there aren't any other vegan news media or media companies in the world who are independently regulated so at the moment and now we have a proper process where if we are we do step out of line or something it, our audience is not happy about something we have an official complaints process so people can go through a process it's all recorded and tracked and at the end of the year we provide Impress with uh, a list of what was complained about and how we dealt with it um, before that you know ultimately it was a real challenge people are continuous, continuously criticizing us for for something we're writing too much about this we're not writing enough about that we shouldn't have said this we shouldn't have said that and a lot of the time people don't understand the difference between news and opinion um, very yeah you know a lot of time we'll cover a story um, and you know people say why are you promoting this person or why are you giving this person a platform or why are you you promoting McDonald's we're, we're writing about the launch of a McDonald's vegan product and then people say why are you advertising McDonald's People don't seem to understand the difference between news and endorsement. News is very clearly, this happened, this is when it happened, this is who was involved, period. Whereas opinion is, this product is out, it's amazing, go and buy it today, because I think it's incredible. That's endorsement, and that's, you know, verges on advertising. So, you know, I think there's, with regards to media literacy, there's a real issue in our society with the way people consume media. Another problem we have is that people don't read, often don't read articles, they read a a headline and they form an opinion and they attack us in the comments without actually reading the entire article and and trying to understand the nuances of the situation. Because a headline is very short. You can't fit all the ideas and thoughts and um, concepts into a very short headline. That's just designed to get your attention and you know we try very hard to avoid hyperbole, to not be sensationalist to focus on facts it's not easy with a very small team because we literally have maria as our editor our deputy editor liam and some contributors who support um occasion and, and send in content um, i very much would like to grow this and develop the side of, of what we do um, but it, it, it is it's it's a challenge with an inexperienced team because our team has never worked on a media platform before um, Maria's worked in magazines and, and in and I think she's worked in local newspaper and stuff, but she hasn't got that experience to help us level up. So this is something we're actually looking for. We want to be able to find someone who can help us level up our um, our kind of like editorial kind of scope, essentially. You know this is i think the core of what would take you take us from what we are now to sort of like a, you know a guardian type platform in you know 20 30 years right um because without that you you it's very hard to to go to the next level and as a team content comes in every, every day from all sorts of places. So as far as how we decide what to do with it, it's really down to Maria, our editor. You know, we have a newswire where people put content in on a regular basis, our team, we do, I do. Um, and so she looks there and then obviously we've got all the, all the content tools that we use that sort of track everything that's going on on the internet, We've got lots of tools that track when things are popular, when people are talking about them, um, and we just keep an eye on the mainstream media as well. And of course, people pitch as well. So we get a lot of pitch content that comes in. But it is a real challenge to decide what to write about, whether it's worth writing about and how to write about it. Um, we originally wrote a lot about animal rights and uh, activism and things like that but we've kind of pivoted away from that because we feel that you know we you know there's a lot of organizations like mercy for animals Veganery, million dollar vegan that do cover and write about a lot of that stuff we want to focus on mainstream topics on lifestyle um, and globally uh, important environmental stories that everyone cares about so not that you know a a town in you know south of london flooded because of a potential climate crisis event you know that no one's ever heard of but talking about it from a global perspective so always trying to think globally when we write because our audience is so global it's really important to create that variety
0: one of the things firstly what tools are you using at the moment because you're always telling me about new tools if i need to know where i need to be in terms of tech (laughs) you're the person what are some key ones listeners can go and check out right now
1: So um, what we always use, I mean, we use obviously Slack to communicate and everyone's using Slack at the moment. Um, I'm always looking at new ways to sort of optimize and organize. Um, Our big focus really is um, to sort of keep information flowing. And so we use project management tools like Asana um, and that helps us sort of manage uh, the different departments and the teams because as you grow as as an organization, if you try and do everything over email, you're gonna find it very hard to stay on top of all the necessary tasks and requirements that you want your team to do. With Asana, you can set dates and schedule, and you can plan, and you can actually see what your team are working on with a bird's eye view, and it helps you stay on top of stuff. Because if you don't do that, email is just—it's just a car crash. It just becomes total chaos. So that's our project management system. Um, We also use uh, a lot of scheduling tools as well to schedule content. Um, Facebook has got a fantastic new tool called the Creator Studio. And with the Creator Studio, what we're able to do is schedule uh, pretty much anything onto Facebook or Instagram. um, And this allows us to schedule content and obviously also monitor content as well. Because we are a verified page on Facebook, we have a contact at Facebook as well. So they provide us with lots of, like, analytics and data um, as well so we can keep on top of things. They've got all, lots of in-house tools that we have access to um, that when you get a partner manager at Facebook. Also, when you start spending money on ads, they, they obviously, you know, start listening to you and start talking to you uh, and want to nourish and support you. Um,
0: what do you use for design? Design?
1: Yeah, so with design, obviously, for all our graphic stuff, we do use Adobe Creative Suite. Um, and so the team are all on that. Um, we do for quick design and on the go design. We use an, a company called Over app. Uh, and Over is a very, very simple but fast way of creating graphics and memes and, and illustrations. Um, we kind of want uh, looking to sort of move more towards like, you know, hand drawn, custom created content because. Um, at the moment, you know we're we're spawning competitors left, right, and center. Everyone is jumping on board with the vegan news media type stuff. You know, there's new companies appearing literally every other month now who are um, really trying to sort of get into this niche. Um, so the, the focus for us is to sort of like try and be innovative and and stand out as much as possible. Because uh, you know, see one vegan meme, you have kind of seen them all. They all start to sort of like look the same. So. For me, it's about, you know, as much original content, as much as hand drawn, uh, you know, illustrative type stuff as possible.
0: Yeah, I think that's really nice when you when you can kind of um work with those designers. Some of the stuff you've done previously has been very impactful. So I think it's great to hear you're you're going to be doing more of that.
1: But also with apps, just a a point is that, you know, it's very important not to overwhelm your team with too many different tools and systems. Um, And to remember that if you do want to initiate a new piece of software into your company or team is to start with a test group of people, one or two people, and get them to try it out and experiment with it first. Because I've made the mistake of like, you know... Inflicting a new tool on the entire team, and then everyone starts trying to use it, and then it's all very disruptive. And then everyone hates it, and doesn't work. And then you you basically disrupt people's workflow. So, if you do want to move over to a new piece of software, make sure that you test it and try it out first for a few weeks with one or two people in your team. And then when you're really sure that it's the right thing to do, then um, initiate that change. Because it, it's very disruptive for people to be using one thing for several months, and then suddenly you have to shift over to something else. Um, it can be a bit of a pain for people
0: no i agree and so one of the things i wanted to talk to you about was like i was saying we were talking the other day about you being the most on person i know there's a couple of others like louis blake always on judy my wife and co-founder of evolution always on um what do you do to relax your mind and do you have any routines that you strictly follow what how do you how do you kind of get away from the kind of intense startup world that you're you're in
1: you know, I'd love to come back with some answers that would please everyone. But I'm going to be really honest. The last three and a half years, I have poured my heart, soul and, yeah, um, <laughs> every part of me into what I've been doing to the sacrifice, to, to the detriment of my personal health, my my life, my relationships, my friendships, Um and unfortunately, I think it's more common than most people are like are willing to admit. Now, what does work for me and does help me find a bit of peace and serenity is getting out of the city and just getting in a car and driving to Wales and staying in a cottage somewhere or going camping or going for walks, um, walking in like just forestry areas or even just around the park, getting away from technology is the only way that I'm able to switch off. Um, I have got myself an Apple uh, I, a, a watch Apple Watch that is uh, enabled, or you know what's it called, GSM enabled. So it's got 4G built into it. So you can receive calls on your watch. So I actually don't need to take my phone out when I go for a walk, so I do that. So people still can contact me if they really need to, but I don't have my phone on me and I can go for a nice walk um, and I can be a little more present. And if someone does need to call me or I need to call someone in, in an emergency, I literally put my Bluetooth, Earphones in, and I can call them via the watch, which is an incredible piece of technology, really, when you think about it. Um, Technology is incredible, it is really empowering, and it can help us transform our lives and our businesses. But it is incredibly addictive, especially social media um, with an infinite scroll. Whoever invented that, you know, has, you know, there's a special place in hell for whoever invented infinite scroll. Um, It just gives us instant access to vast quantities of information and data, which essentially overloads the human brain. Um, so I would say that anyone who feels overwhelmed, you must set time aside every week, even putting it in your diary, blocking it out like a meeting, two three hours um, a week if you can, maybe more really, you should spend an hour at least unplugging as routine from your technology, from your business, from your software. If you don't have that kind of time, if you have kids or you know, a young family, then even just sort of five, 10 minutes of, my- of mindfulness or meditation, um and trying to be present you know even if you were like washing the dishes or watering the garden leave your phone in the house just put it away from you and just focus your mind and put all your attention all your energy on what you're doing see what you're doing in front of you and try and exclude everything else for even just sort of 10-15 minutes a day if you can because our minds do need rest Uh, and if we're overloading our minds all day every day our sleep will become affected our our gut will become affected you know our intestines and our stomach are are hardwired to our brains if we're stressed our gut is stressed probably not going to absorb nutrients properly and it will cause uh, long-term effects health effects so really learn to unplug more regularly and that's the only thing that's kept me sane
0: okay let's talk about the future a little bit i think of you as one of my friends who lives in the future i always say robbie lives in the future he lives like three years ahead of all of us what is exciting you in the plant-based movement at the moment? What Where do you think we're heading? Um, I'm excited about the number
1: of young people who are getting involved in business uh, and leaving their jobs and creating products and services that are alternatives or not even alternatives, I think alternatives.
0: Improvements. <laughs> Improvements
1: on the the current food system and the way we eat and live and, and also with fashion as well. Um, I get excited about the innovation that's going on, and I think that that gives me hope for the future. That there are young people who are um, who are doing this, who are who are kind of taking risks. Um, that gets me excited. The food technology side of things, which is ultimately the core of the problem, it's like what are people eating, how they're eating it, where they're buying it from. You know that system hasn't really changed for you know a very very long time for centuries, and so we're doing things in a new way. And what's exciting is that a lot of these food technologies are cleaner, they're greener, they use a lot less water, and they are potentially have higher margins as well. You can make a lot more money.
0: So um, that is what excites
1: me most uh, about the future of the plant-based movement.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's super exciting. I get so many entrepreneurs, and I'm sure you do as well, contacting me with incredible businesses. And it's just great to see like people starting their careers with mission at the heart. They're not taking ten years to kind of work it out, fifteen years to work it out. They're saying, yeah. "We're starting today. We're twenty years old. Let's go!" Yeah, let's build. They a new dive future. in.
1: Yeah, they're brave. You know, they haven't been um, they haven't been made cynical and fearful by the corporate world um and they're the people they're the people that are driving this movement whether it's their businesses or whether it's through advocacy or whether it's through um you know content creation through kind of the influencer culture um yeah it's it's always inspiring me every day so i love being a part of it
0: yeah keep you young yeah keep us young yeah we're we're getting on a bit yeah we are (laughs) we've got gray in our beards yeah (laughs) great so we're now into the quick fire question round um try and answer these as short as possible as sure. always, always a challenge so don't feel bad if you uh, go over a little bit <laughs> so why do you get up in the morning
1: to get people eating more plants and uh, to turn the world as vegan as possible
0: that's a great mission um what problems are you trying to solve with plant-based news?
1: Uh, scaling. How do we get from where we are now to where I want us to be, you know, in five to, five to 10 years? That's a, a challenge. How, how to generate more income so we can hire more amazing people.
0: What resource or factor has had the biggest impact on plant-based news so far?
1: I would say uh the support of the community um that's had the biggest influence we wouldn't be who we are and we wouldn't be the size we are without the people that we write for create content for um we're not selling a product we're kind of selling an idea aren't we we're selling information we're not selling we're giving it away for free um without the support of people commenting and sharing and liking you know plant-based news wouldn't be where it is so it's our audience and our community
0: yeah i think that's lovely okay i know you're gonna have a lot of recommendations here so what are free books or podcasts you recommend to entrepreneurs um podcasts for to for
1: entrepreneurs let's see there's so many <laughs> ones. i would say like donut economics is one that i've been reading recently which is really really fascinating um there is, what else is there that I've been reading? Um, there's Profit First, which is an interesting book, which talks about how to, it sounds really capitalistic, but it's all about how to optimize your business and how to optimize how you function as a business financially with all the different types of bank accounts. Um, that's a really, really useful book, Really, lots of practical skills. I would say also using things like Masterclass, I've been kind of getting involved in that and listening to all the sort of t- practical sort of business tactics and things in there. What do you know now that you wish you knew when you started plant-based news? What do I know now that I wish I knew when I started? Um, that things take time and not to be so goddamn impatient, um, and that be patient and be pa- be more patient with other people. Yeah,
0: yeah, I agree. And what what's been the biggest challenge you've had to overcome so far, plant-based news?
1: Biggest challenge are probably um, working relationships, um, kind of like you know. My, my business partner and I are very different as people. Um, and that's been our biggest challenge is, is seeing eye to eye and trying to navigate or circumnavigate the, the differences of opinions and views and way of doing things. That is a, a dirty challenge. Um, but I think, you know, with patience and understanding and forgiveness, um, one can, you know, move through all of that, hopefully. Definitely.
0: Um, and what do you do to keep yourself sane?
1: What do I do to keep myself sane? Uh my friends and people that I know uh who have shared views and values and um shared interests, those are the people that keep me sane. Having p- other people I know who are going through similar things to me and connecting with them and sharing my struggles and sufferings um and theirs with me, that's what keeps me sane.
0: That's nice. Okay. You're there, you made it.
1: Thank you, you very much.
0: Fit. Um so <laughs> Where can people connect with Robbie? How can they get in touch with you? What's the best way?
1: Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Robbie, R-O-B-B-I-E underscore Lockie, L-O-C-K-I-E, uh, and on Twitter, Robbie Lockie, all one word, no spaces. Um, and then you can also email us if you want, contact at plantbasednews.org. And then obviously Plant Based News, you can find us on every social network known to mankind, forward slash Plant Based News. And I have a weekly, well now bi-monthly uh, podcast at soundcloud.com forward slash Plant Based News and also on iTunes, Spotify and everything else. Are you, are um, you tiktok in?
0: i'm not i just do not have the time <laughs> yeah. i don't think people over the age of 35 should be allowed on tiktok i'm, I'm gonna start a campaign about that i think we shouldn't be allowed on no <laughs> Sorry. You, you've seen me dance at our wedding so you know that's not something anyone wants to see so i okay, will let so, get some of the
1: youngins to uh to get onto tiktok and do some fun stuff exactly i'm sure there's lots of good stuff there great stuff
0: Hi, Plantpreneurs. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Plant-Based Business Podcast. It was produced by Feevolution and this series is hosted by myself, Damien Clarkson, and my co-host, Judy Dell. Before we go today, I have a quick favor to ask. At Feevolution, we believe in the power of business to positively impact the planet. This is why we created the podcast to help accelerate the good work you're all doing in making the world a better place. But we need your support to keep this community going. We've created our new plant-based business community over on Patreon for just a few pounds a month. You can support the show in growing and helping us to shine a light on the plant-based businesses changing the world. So please head on over to www.patreon.com slash plant-based business and show your support for this podcast and the free content we create. Also, please remember to share this episode in your favourite social network. I can't tell you how much things like reviews and social shares help us and our missions to tell the world about the growth of the plant-powered business movement. You can find us on Instagram at plantbasedbusiness underscore and at theevolution underscore. Okay, keep safe and we'll see you all again soon.